0: Hey everybody it's Christine. I'm in Montana on vacation with my large family mostly adults plus my grandson Mace and one of the grand dogs a little bit of a wolf and we are having an amazing time being out in nature and encountering the plants I love so much in the wild and introducing Mace into the plants. When my kids were growing up, we did this all the time, like nature walks and stuff like that, but it's such a delight. Like, look, this is called honeysuckle. If you come around the base of it and you pull a little bit in this of this teardrop and you suck it in and roll it around in your tongue, it's like a little bit of honey. Or you show him red clover and tell him what that's good for and help him learn to identify the plants. This is bear grass. Which parts of the bear grass can you eat? which parts are used for decoration. Tell him the story of the Hoopa Indians and how they use bear grass in their culture. You know, everywhere you look, there is something beautiful to show him. There was one moment when he and his mom and my stepson river were crouching in the bushes picking huckleberries. You know, they're just coming ripe now. there down there getting like they were little bear cubs themselves and they brought the huckleberries home and rinsed them off and put them in pancakes and then made a huckleberry glaze for donuts for homemade donuts they've just been like a treasure trove of family time and reminding of the joy of simplicity you know being out there you know i love plants and plant magic and Watching things grow, but there is nothing like being in the woods and feeling the harmonious ecosystem of all that that goes with completely no governance, with everything doing its best, communicating with each other. You know, the trees are talking to one another through the mycelium, they're telling. If you haven't heard this, this is an amazing scientific fact that trees talk to each other through what is effectively an in net that the mycelium that works in the ground facilitate. So if a tree at the front line feels a pestilence coming um, or something that it should be concerned about, it will send that message back through the soil to other trees. Now the, the whole system is somehow talking to one another. There's a wonderful researcher that talks about how ecosystems govern them, govern themselves through harmonics, and that they basically at the dawn chorus and at sunset that the various species that are chirping and singing that if they they are communicating whether there is space in the ecosystem for others to enter or not, or or whether the resources are fully occupied. That the harmonies and the amount of noise at each, that sounds at each time of the day can communicate in one minute soundbite as much of the health of the ecosystem and the count of the species as as um, environmental observers used to take weeks to do a manual count is just as accurate to take a measure of these particular liminal spaces uh, between day and night and see what species are chirping and you'll know just as much. so. The idea that these ecosystems are governing themselves and that they can be trusted, if left alone, to basically figure out uh, what is right in those spaces is a pretty miraculous idea to lean into. So more pleasure and joy and being part of the wild nature and being part of our family, uh, which I hope you're also experiencing out there. So vacation will come to an end. And... Carrying that flirtatiousness, that sense of spaciousness into our lives is one of my main goals in vacationing in the first place, is to remind ourselves how much potential there is for just living closer to nature and, and more of a rhythm with what's important in our lives. So my guest today, Dr. Sunny Rogers, she completely lives up to her name, Sunny. She is light. She is vibrant. She brings joy everywhere she goes. This is my third time speaking with her. And when I started this pod um, session, recording this session with her, I was grouchy and, you know, kind of didn't know what we were going to talk about. But as usual, we went to so many places. She is pretty much a treasure. Sunny is a clinical sexologist. Uh, She is a multi-certified sexual health and wellness educator a professional sex toy concierge, which you'll hear about in the episode, and she serves as an ambassador for the American Sexual Health Association, contributes to the sex ed, she's a confidence coach for the Marigold app, and also the founder of the Institute of Intimate Health. Since 2000, she has helped thousands of people improve their relationships and experience better intimate lives, which I believe, you know, a great intimate life. Sensual, sexual satisfaction is the birthright of every human. It's such a beautiful part of being alive, such a spiritual and beautiful part of being alive. So please welcome to the Rose Woman Pod, Dr. Sunny Rogers.
1: You know what? I can't even remember what we talked about last time
0: most important thing that we talked about was how to flirt. Ah. (laughs) No, we actually didn't talk about how to flirt. But I remember getting off the phone with you is that you were such natural at that. You were, you know, everybody was all, oh, my COVID, I'm home. My partner's boring. I don't even want to do it. Even though we have all this time, my heart's not there. And you uh, just started giving ideas for games people could play. Yeah, And then I thought, like, what is it about being light and flirtatious, and where does it come from in a person, and can it be cultivated? So I thought we could start with that. Like, how do you
1: cultivate playfulness when it's not arising naturally? I love that. I think a lot of it is, um, first of all, a science says that when a person smiles, they just naturally Are more beautiful and more appealing and so I think just starting by smiling to not only yourself but smiling to your partner and I think that would do so much for a relationship so try that first
0: they call that in in yoga and in meditation practices the inner smile can you walk around the world sort of just with a gentle uh, happy disposition towards everything you see easier yeah. said than done.
1: See, I think that's beautiful. So I think that yeah. has a lot to do with it. I know everyone seems to be getting on people's nerves right now. And the funny thing, I have to keep stopping and breathing. And you really think about your partner and are the little things important or is it the big things? You know, you know, your partner is always going to be there for you. And sometimes right now people aren't feeling safe or sexy and you need to just let that go and know that. If you have your partner hold their hand, just touch alone, you know, just find some way to connect and smile and do little things every single day for them as well as yourself. That's important too.
0: That idea that you can not go, it doesn't have to be the big grand gesture. It can just be a small touch in passing.
1: Yes. I think it's the small things that seem to mean the most to people. It's the heartfelt, compliments it's the little post-it note that you left on somebody's mirror it's the fact that you went out of your way to make sure that you made their favorite dessert and didn't even bother with dinner you know (laughs) things like that (laughs) little things yeah like
0: you're creating a mood and the mood is like acceptance and security and kindness and within that i mean you've just inspired me to go and dig out the post-its (laughs) (laughs)
1: Say. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny. There's a company that actually makes little love cards and all they are are like little cards with um, like held hands and a heart. And they're not it's not that they're very special. It's just that they kind of inspire you to write little cards to your partner at, on a daily basis. And a lot of people don't do that. You know, I mean, writing now, everyone's so electronic. So no one thinks about doing something as simple as just an I love you that somebody reaches into their glove box in their car and they find it. You know, just little things like that that you can, it makes other people smile too. You're passing out smiles to everyone.
0: When my kids were little, we used to draw on their lunch sacks or put love notes in their lunch sacks. Uh, That reminds me of that a lot. And also even now after decade of almost purely digital communication. If someone mails me a physical thank you card or a physical appreciation note, I treasure that. I put them in this box and for a while when I had a real office, um, I would use clothespins and uh, put them in a chain all around my desk like a frame and all of those people were with me physically.
1: See, that's beautiful. I love that. I I think that If nothing else, a lot of what's happening in our current world, I feel like we're getting back to the basics of what's important.
0: So what would that be from your perspective? How does, what is, with all the people that you've been working with, relationship coaching, getting their sexuality on, feeling better in their body, and the kind of relatively volatile external situation, what do you
1: find is returning uh, that helps people the most one thing that's returning is that I used to see people feeling maybe embarrassed or unsure about trying new things with their partner because there was a lot of you know um, the talk around the what do you call it the water you know the water station or the coffee water pot or, thank <laughs> you yes the water cooler <laughs> So, they were always worried about, you know, everyone else is dating or they're trying new things or they are on apps and they've got multiple people they're, you know, seeing at one time. And they're just trying to connect with their partner and they just don't feel like they're in the same realm of all these other people. And what I'm kind of seeing a lot with my clients is that people are just getting back to just the basics like you can't get out. So, they go in the garage and they make out in the back seat of the car and they hold hands, and they go for a walk in their neighborhood park, and everything seems to just be very simple now, and it's really, they're they're getting back in touch with what makes their own partnership and relationship happy, and they're not worried about what anybody's talking about in the office, or who's tried, you know, anal, or who hasn't, or who's tried this position, or who hasn't. It's just all about really just being very, spending special time with your partner, really, and connecting with them. And I'm seeing that people are more apt to try communication and to tell their partners how they're really feeling right now. Because there's so many things in the world that people feel like this might be the last time that they're going to be able to say something. And they need to get it off of their chest, out of their heart, and share it. And I think it's just this time is it's scary, but it's allowing so many beautiful things to happen in the world as well.
0: So I hear simplification, uh, authenticity, truth telling. I find sometimes when people tell their truth uh, that it can be really triggering. So just because you're staying home doesn't suddenly mean you know how to receive your partner's truth. Yes. Um, so So what how do you advise couples to sort of hold their own presence while their partner talks about their needs?
1: So this is so funny because you'll find that if you, most people judge with their eyes. Eyes are so expressive. So you're afraid sometimes to tell your partner how you really feel or something you want to try because you don't want to see judgment in their eyes and that causes you to clam up out of fear. So what I recommend with my clients is to get a simple blindfold, and it could be a sash from a robe or a beautiful scarf, and tie it around your partner's eyes as a blindfold, and then just ask them to listen. And then it's amazing how, when you're not looking at their eyes, waiting for their judgment, waiting for how they're gonna respond, when you're just talking from your heart, and you can even close your own eyes too, that it makes it so much more freeing and it gives the partner who's blindfolded time to kind of digest things without jumping to a conclusion or automatically trying to respond does that kind of make sense yeah I a whole
0: nother use for this pile of masks that's accumulating <laughs> just move i love it that right up. <laughs> Co- cover your eyes <laughs> um, that's so interesting that this this bias toward visual communication actually can impede your listening or your um your speaking your truth i it's i wonder if you know if both partners were blindfolded and and he, what if you were both blindfolded and then you just held hands oh my and gosh. you and then and then you just began like taking turns and when you're done speaking you i'm complete and then you breathe and then switch and and see even some of those basic one-on-one communication practices that you learn, like repeat back, this is what I heard, (laughs) you know, before reacting to it. Um, Yeah. Like how, again, back to what we're talking about at the beginning, like, how do you turn that into a game?
1: Oh, right. I, I can turn anything into a game. (laughs) How did you get to be that way? How
0: did you (laughs) get to be this like playful, how, What's the secret
1: sauce? It can't just be smiling. <laughs> it kind of is, though. I mean, yeah? I think, yeah, if you're smiling and you're happy, it's so funny because I, t- I told my husband this morning, I just woke up with a smile. I said, I have no idea what happened. I woke up so wonderfully happy this morning. So that, I think, really is part of it. But I think it's also allowing yourself, you know what, you can, s- you can still be a kid from the neck up. You know, your head is telling you that you're still 20 or you're still 16 or whatever. And I think it's just knowing that life shouldn't be so serious. It's just have fun with it. That's why I call it sex play and not sex and not intercourse. It's sex play because it's your opportunity to actually intimately play with your partner.
0: I'm kind of just quiet about that idea for a second. Okay, Sex play. Sex play. So you're like touching, you're flirting, you're moving around. How does this feel? Um, Like laughing, making eye contact, being mischievous, seeing what new things you can incorporate, all of that stuff, being creative, basically.
1: Yes, all of that. And like I said, you know, there's some people that are now, um, it's funny because I don't know if you saw it or not, but I put a post on my Instagram. And I was talking to my neighbors and this was about, I mean, we're at, gosh, I don't know how many weeks are we in now, but I want to say we were about six or seven weeks in and they were really starting to feel the pressure. They've got two teenage kids. So I told them to get outside. The next thing you know, they put up a tent in their backyard, complete with outdoor lights and spent the evening in the tent in their own backyard. Best night they've had in months is what they shared. Wait, this is the kids or the parents? No, the parents. (laughs) The parents let the kids have the house and they took over the backyard. It was wonderful. They had pillows everywhere and candles and lights on and you could hear them giggling and it was just so magical. Uh, So sometimes it's just, uh, you just kind of have to get out of the routine and that also makes things fresh And it makes it even more playful. When you do something that's not in your routine, it kind of gets the adrenaline going. So it kind of turns both partners on too. So it works for you.
0: I think you should do a deck of cards. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah, with all of these playful ideas.
1: I'm writing that down. Um,
0: Like change one variable, uh, stuff like that. So you... Even can, I mean, I've been watching, yes, I have been watching your Instagram. I missed that particular <laughs> one. But I, I have noticed that you blend sort of, oh, here's a, a UTI solution and here's me um, drinking wine. You know, there's sort of this popping back and forth between your own playful reality and then the physical embodiment questions that you would deal with um, in a, as a clinician. Yes. And so how, so... I don't know what are you what are you seeing in your practice? What are people
1: coming to you with now? Well, uh, first I want to say that it's all me. I love my wine, <laughs> and I do get you know sex associated UTIs. So this is all real me, and I I never want anyone to feel uncomfortable about anything. And so part of me is you know yes I there's some things in my life that are awkward, and I'm going to share them. <laughs> So we can all accept them together. Um, But the the sad thing, I I consistently get the same situations and the same client issues over and over. And those are always based around female orgasm. And it's either Mm -hmm. difficulty having orgasm, I've never had an orgasm, or my partner, I don't have an orgasm with my partner, or, you know, I keep faking it, or I have men come to me and say, my partner, I believe she's faking it. So there's a lot Mm. of um, the orgasm has been, it seems like, you know, a mythological beast for a lot of people for a long time. And fortunately, more people than ever are actually approaching me and wanting help with that, which I'm so happy about, because I, I think that's, I've said it once, I've said it a million times, it's one of the treasures in life, and it's such a wonderful pleasure, and it's such intimate enjoyment, and it's free. (laughs) So you should have it every single day if you can.
0: Well, let's go to the basics of that. I had sort of gotten to the point where I thought there's pleasure that is totally independent of that, like sexuality can be really playful and fun and satisfying and sensual whether or not there's an orgasm involved. And then as uh, I learned more, particularly with doing this company uh, and as studying Tantra for a long time and understanding the anatomy, like the inner orgasm, the one that sort of triggered from the backside of the clitoris or what was the G-spot, the one that's triggered outside, the one that runs from the whole body, top to bottom. And then I did some stuff with... uh, Nicole Day Doan in One Taste for a while where they have this orgasmic meditation. And their yeah. goal is to keep a woman 15 minutes on the fringe, uh, like right at the peak and not go over, like just getting people so aroused and present that that they're fully in their body and feeling the feelings, not trying to rush through it, not making it tight, not trying to you know, get it over. And for a man to be that patient and to like get a woman there and then back off and get her there and back off. And I feel like that has been a study. Like you have to really make it a project, like push-ups, um, to become <laughs> that. You know, like like yeah. if you want to master anything, ma- master a dance move or whatever, something in the kitchen, how to make a souffle. So how? So so that becoming, I guess, uh, where I'm kind of getting at is for me coming into an orgasmic reality was a process of relaxation, and took me quite a while to actually experience the breadth of what was possible there. Uh, so people must be starting at all kinds of different positions um, or places on that continuum.
1: That is absolutely true. I, it's funny, too, because a lot of things are, like you kind of said, external. Um, I do a lot of with people that can't have orgasms in their own home, in their own bedroom, so we look at feng shui and like energy placement as well. Hmm. And if there's like a door that's cutting off the bed or um, and this is a big one and almost everyone that I know does this, they have pictures of their family, not just their spouse or their partner, but their family in their bedroom or they have pictures on the wall and it's a beautiful photograph, but it's people that they have no idea who it is and it's it's interesting because according to feng shui having all these faces in your bedroom that aren't you know you and your partner subconsciously you are you can't relax in front of them you think that these people are looking at you and they're going to judge you or that you can't completely you know enjoy the pleasure that's taking place with your partner because these people are looking at you so it's so interesting that as soon as people take the, the, you know, the other pictures out of the bedroom. It's just a minor thing. And it can make all the difference in the world. Sometimes it's that easy. I mean, usually it's not that easy, but it, it can be, which is really interesting. And then we get I love into, this, this
0: idea of, yes. of, of preparing your space. I mean, yeah, you'd have the sensation that you're being watched. How could you relax? Or if the room, the energy in the room, like the door is a beeline for the bed, it's possibly too visible like someone could walk in on you or even what about sound you know not wanting other people
1: in your house to hear you yeah it's it's all of that it's so interesting even colors um like a touch of red is great to you know energize sex and relationship but then you put something like a brown in there and and brown is unless it's like a natural wood or a you know, something along those lines, it kind of drags out all the sexual energy from the room. So it's little things like looking at the environment as well. And Mm -hmm. then we get into like the body and, and the responses and everything. But first, I always look at, okay, what's happening in your bedroom?
0: (laughs) I love that. That's so uh, you're like making the old fashioned boudoir. Yes. Yeah, like the only purpose of this room is sleeping in sex, sleeping in pleasure, everything else. Uh, my technology, uh, the stuff that's all practical, I'm gonna leave that outside the door.
1: Yes. Well, it's funny too because mirrors are used a lot in feng shui and what they do is they bounce energy. Well, if you have too many mirrors or mirrors really close to your bed, then it bounces too much energy and it can be too much of energy flow for partners. And so that will automatically make you feel uncomfortable and you don't even know why.
0: I'm so delighted that you started with that. So you prepare your space. That's a, a way of setting your intention. Do you have any more tips for that before we go on to the sort of next
1: topic set? Yeah. Um, so also, I just finished, and it's free. It's an online workshop, and it's almost done. I'll probably be up by this weekend. Um, and it is Feng Shui Your Sex Life. So it's got all of the tips in there. It's got color. It's got how to use water and how not to use water. If you have a water feature in your bedroom, it can actually, if you're single, it's wonderful because it invites new romance into your life. But if you're happily partnered and you put a water feature in the bedroom, it could possibly invite a third party into your relationship. So unless you want that. suppose if that was
0: one thing you were trying out, that would be good. Right? (laughs) Oh, wait. This is
1: amazing. You're doing an actual full course on this. All right.
0: We'll definitely put that in the show notes so that people can find it. Okay.
1: And I'll send you the link too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I'll be getting right on that water function. (laughs) Okay. Good. (laughs) It's on my wish list for 2020 if anyone's listening. (laughs) Um, Okay. So amazing. All right. So we've got the room set up. We've done. Yes. Feng Shui for sensuality and sexual pleasure. Right. Uh, what's your next set of
1: assessments? Usually, it's the person wants permission to have pleasure. So what I find a lot is it's usually um, in most relationships uh, that I'm dealing with are they're heterosexual, a male and a female, and the female has been brought up to. To believe that sex is dirty, sex should not be enjoyed, sex is just you know for reproduction and all of these types of things. The male normally not so much and it's so interesting because most of the time husbands and partners always want to just please their partner and so they're like what can I do, what can I do, what can I do? So it's so sweet and for the, the females they just They were never taught in school where their clitoris is or what a G-spot is or why perhaps cagle eggs might be good for them or anything like that. Our sex education is so defunct and missing and in this society, unfortunately, and everyone thinks that it's bad. And so the the next thing I I do is I give these, either, either if it's one person or a partnership, I give them absolute permission. You can tell me anything. I'm I will not judge you. Let's get to the topic of why do you feel guilty or why do you feel like you don't deserve pleasure because you do? And what can you do to explain to your partner, you know, it, what feels good, what doesn't feel good because some people can't even get to that is don't touch me there. You know, I mean <laughs> or touch me here. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I feel
0: like I'd split them a little bit like just the permission to have pleasure is in of itself like a retraining and it can be around all kinds of it can be around as simple as like i like this fabric on my body i like to sit this way what do i want to do today like reconnecting with your own desire we talk about this a lot in the formation of identity and um in young girls you know prepubescent girls and early adolescent girls like this this idea like do i like it or am i here to please or satisfy someone else's needs is a very early inquiry, and so you can even separate out the the pleasure component and the permission to have pleasure from them. This much, not I would say not much richer or deeper, but from this other pressing question of I don't even know the names of my body parts or what they do, and kind of remedial training in that area also. So like remedial pleasure training and learning about your body parts and what they do and and then connecting the two like how you like to be touched i love that so just 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 the desire coaching like and then the other place we hear a lot of it is in religion you must hear that sort of the overlay of religious upbringing and the permission for a woman to have pleasure
1: a lot of it i i also have it's it's so interesting um With religion, a lot of it is, you know, it's unclean to have sex during a a certain time of the month or, you know, I'm not a good person or I'm not a a godly person or whatever. And it's just interesting how these um, restraints and restrictions and beliefs really harm the person's like psyche and they are not living their full life complete life because of that. And it's so, it's just, it tears my heart apart. And those are the people that sometimes I can help them and sometimes I can't, I'll be honest. You know, it's, you can only go so far with some people because it's so ingrained in who they are. I
0: was just thinking, like, are there any religions that have a very healthy view of sexuality and sensuality? whether it's in the context of marriage or not. You know, I know how, I mean, maybe perhaps the pagans, perhaps some of the newer spiritual traditions, some of the Hindu traditions do.
1: Yes. And I I also think it depends on location because um, over in Sweden, you know, the whole family, they all go in the, you know, the spas and they swim and they, yeah, bathing suits or not, you know, it's, it's not like being naked or the body is dirty or something to be ashamed of. And they actually have parks where they'll have, you know, beautiful nude statues. And over here, there's such judgment for, you know, just being nude or loving your body. And we always have to cover everything up. Or, and if we don't, then it's automatically a request to be sexual, you know, or considered mm-hmm. sexual. And so I think that Europe has, you know, if you think about it, America's really not that. We're like babies. We're like a puppy. You know, we're only about 200 years old. And here Europe is like thousands and thousands of years old. And they've just pretty much seen it all. And they're so accepting of it. It's just refreshing.
0: Yeah, that your body is in and of itself an intrinsic good uh, as a nude thing. And it's not just for reproduction. It just exists in the world. You know, there's a very good book um, that came out last year called God and Sex by Mark Whitwell and Rosalind Atkinson. Now you get both, and they okay. speak to this question of you are you are nature, your uh, your sex, and your joining with another is a beautiful part of sort of the divine order, and it's an unwinding of religiosity around the topic, but a retention of the divinity of it. They've done a I think a really lovely job of articulating that. Oh, thank you for sharing that
1: because I'm gonna go buy it right now. <laughs> like that fascinates me.
0: Yeah, uh, it's a very interesting thing because we I, I mean you you probably know by now that that this question of what is our relationship to the soul, to the permanence of our um, of our emb- like to our embodiment versus the spiritual aspect of our life And how do we get in touch with the space that's between us? And the connective, the connective energy between us is a huge part of my life. It's my yoga and tantra practice and even sort of the mystic Christ. All of that stuff has been informing me since I was young and has been a lifelong pursuit. And to find freedom around the good girl, uh, bad girl dichotomy that is all usually presented and to understand the good girl, bad girl dichotomy in conjunction with patriarchy and control of women's bodies but then not to make it so secular that I lose this magnificent, uh, divine, almost holy experience of being intimate with another being. I want to keep that. I don't want to make it all clinical, you know. Yes. And so often when people throw out religion, they seem to also throw away their the magic of the spiritual presence that, in, that sort of inhabits all things, you know. Yes. So I don't want to lose
1: that in the dialogue either. No, I completely agree with you as well. And I, I think that it is almost magic when you can connect with someone on a tur on a certain level, it it is very you had the right word. It is holy and it's there's a magic that can't be duplicated really.
0: Yeah, some of this really beautiful moments are just, you know, eye gazing with another person. Just yeah. like, oh my God, you're like, how did you come to be? From this tiny little seed, this little cell that was your heart, how did you unfold into this brainstem and this beautiful body and then the millions of moments that added up to you becoming this magnificent adult presence that's sitting in front of me that I get to commune with? Amazing. Yes. You know, If that, that's, that's a, another aspect for me of what you were discussing on the inner smile.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. I think that it's the brain is the biggest sex organ in your body. So I think when you can connect with somebody intellectually and just be able to share yourself with, with somebody else, I think that turns on not only your brain, but their brain as well. And it's kind of funny because I find with a lot of my clients and in my own circle of friends, that the people who are friends with each other, they're friends and they're in love, that is the, it kind of takes their relationship to a different level, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Like the friendship is, um, foreplay. Respect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and the, friend, the friendship is like, uh, I respect you. I like you. I wonder what you're going to do next. Yeah. Yeah. You know? This, this sort of like, mm, you know what, at the end of the day, I'd really like it. I would be fine if everybody else kind of left and you and I could just go for a walk. That would be fine. Like, that's such a good feeling when you get there. Yes, it is.
1: You know, well, it's um, nice when, yeah. you, when you touch someone and, and there's like a chemical response. You just know, you know, your your hands get kind of sweaty and your heart races just a little bit, you know? It's just, there's something in the dynamic there where you're, you're, a lot of times your body is reacting to someone before your, like your heart knows before your mind catches up with it. Does that kind of make sense?
0: Yeah, for me, it's the smell, man. Oh, woman, yeah. Woman, woman. I, like, uh, th- there's a, even sometimes the scalp smell, or like the clothing, like you'll get a whiff of their jacket or something when they're not even in the room. Yeah. Uh, and and my, your whole body responds. I don't know if that's familiarity uh, that you already associate that smell with love and affection or if there is something to the random stranger pheromone thing. I heard about this thing, this party <laughs> in New York. I gotta tell you about tell this. Tell me, tell me. There's a they, This, they threw up pheromone party And you were supposed to wear a plain white T-shirt to bed for five nights in a row and then put it in a plastic bag um, with a – like a Ziploc bag with a a label on it that had a number. And then you brought it to the party and the girl once went on one side and and then you went and smelled the bag and you took the bag that – you were attracted to and then they then you met and the, the you like found the other person who had the matching bag oh my gosh <laughs> it was totally to test whether an anonymous pheromone situation would produce actual fireworks between two people so what happened it, I think it worked. I don't exactly know whether – it worked at the party that the people who liked each oh. other's smell were sexually attracted to one another. But I don't know if it worked in terms of producing long arc couplings.
1: Yes. Oh, wow. That is <laughs> fascinating. See, oh, that's amazing. I, I'm i going to find that for
0: you. I'll yes, find
1: that for everybody and please. put that in
0: the show notes too. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. I love that. See, that's very, very clever. And what a great way to get people introduced. It's fantastic. Um, Yeah, I
0: like your stinky shirt smell. That's the perfect way to get people introduced. It definitely bypasses, you know, the what do you do for a living, boring (laughs) question.
1: I like that better. It's so funny because people are so sense-oriented. And I have a couple of friends that they're having a hard time dating and finding dates and they're not sure how to do it so this is my recommendation for all of you single people out there is i always suggest that your first date rather than you meet at a bar that's a no or a coffee shop another no i advocate meeting at a farmer's market because there's so many good scents there's flowers there's food there's fruit and walk around, discuss what you're smelling, discuss what you're hearing. Sometimes there'll be acoustic guitar or someone, you know, like a drum circle. And what are you seeing? Look at those flowers, look at the plants, you know, look at the handcrafts. So it's something there that titillites every sense that you have, there's things to touch. And if you're hitting it off, let's say after, you know, a half an hour, 45 minutes, so now you start picking out foods that you wanna try together. And you pick a few things, maybe some cheese and some apples, and you get some nice, lovely bread and a bundle of flowers. And then you actually create the next date. Where, all right, tomorrow, come over for lunch, and we're going to make all of these things together. And we'll turn on the drum circle music in the background, and we'll just recreate the farmer's market and. In- you know, just emblaze and entitle all of our senses again tomorrow at our second date.
0: That's beautiful. I love that. Like full sensory engagement, plus you're getting to know each other. And you also can see like how the person interacts with the wonder and abundance of the given world. Yes. Yeah. It's a beautiful idea. I was thinking, do you think the same thing I, It goes for art museums or gallery art walks or things like that. It doesn't have so much of a follow-on opportunity, I guess, as the farmer's market. And
1: it doesn't, I think with that, it's, uh, they're usually very visual and there might be music in the background, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have like the taste. Like you can get free samples of food. You can hear, do you know what I mean? There's things for you to touch. And that's what I love about farmer's market is it really does encompass all the senses. You can really find something for every single one. And it also gives people, items to discuss because so many times, like you were saying, you know, it's, it's almost like an interview. You get there, what do you do for work? You know? <laughs> uh. So then you can find out, you know, what's your favorite flower? Why do you like that? Is it the, the scent or is it the beautiful yellow petals? You know, and it gives people automatically, you look around there's something you can talk about at every turn.
0: Uh, that's so great. Ah. Oh. I would go on a date with you.
1: Yay. I'll take you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It sounds so much fun, like just to be walking in the world with that idea and like discovering together. The other thing I like about being out versus this sort of confrontational thing where you're sitting down at the table and looking at each other and interviewing each other is there's this sweetness of seeing how people interact with strangers and the fluidity of just like being in the world together and like... Who smiles? who introduces? What questions do they ask of the egg vendor? You know, just sort of you get a real sense of the person's uh, f- flow and their the general feeling of what it would be like to walk in the world with them.
1: Yes, I see mm-hmm. that's a wonderful way to say that. It just it opens up so many different opportunities to see someone in in a natural setting. So they're not just sitting there trying to act some way with you. They're having to act with several different people. So you get more of the genuineness. That's a really hard word to say. (laughs) Genuineness. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) You get more of that. So let's say that now you're in a relationship and everything that you thought, um, there's a word, it's called limerence. And limerence Mm -hmm. is the feeling when you fall in love with someone. And a lot of people are just addicted to that feeling of falling in love and that limerence and that feeling fades. So let's say you get to that point and it could be, you know, two dates or 20 years. It depends on the person. You get to that point and you don't know what to do because now you don't feel connected to the other person. There's no excitement. Everything's boring. You look at them and you don't see the same, you know, you don't see them the same way and you don't feel the spark. So for those people, what I suggest is you need to put a little adrenaline in your life because when you do that, it actually stimulates the same thing, the oxytocin and everything that that sex does. So let's say you go whitewater rafting on your date or for your anniversary or you zip line or whatever your comfort level is, it has to be just a tad out of both of your comfort levels so that you're both feeling all the adrenaline pumping because as soon as it ends, you're both gonna run a run to a ho- hotel room immediately. It's really crazy how that works.
0: idea of like limerence of being infatuated with another person and you know, that fading away, that's what a lot of people complain about in their longer-term relationships. That's the seven-year itch, all of that stuff. <laughs> so you're saying that adrenaline and sort of manufacturing situations that mimic that early infatuation will – that that can happen. You can create situations that can summon that feeling.
1: Yes, Yeah. It gets the blood flowing. It's amazing. The blood's flowing. Your mind's engaged. You're feeling alive like you haven't in so much, so long. And you're doing it with the person that you love, innately love, even if there's not a spark there. And you'll notice when you're doing these activities and you look over and you see the spark in your partner's eyes. And all Mm -hmm. of a sudden, there's just this connection. And it is, it's like a scent and it's your heart, heart is racing and it kind of, it does simulate foreplay and sex. So it just automatically kind of brings something both out. And if they can hold on to that as partners and talk about it and say, that was really fun. We need to do that more often. You know, that was fun. I missed you. Oh my God, to see your smile. I've missed your smile. I've missed feeling like this. And it takes it one step further and it just can bring people back together in a way that a lot of things can't.
0: Yeah, you get I think in, in the open community they call that new relationship energy. Oh and yeah. that you're sort of summoning that. I love it. I love that too. Wow, you're so full of ideas. It's, um <laughs> I love time. Let me see. We've had we've had uh okay, we've gone on our amazing first date. Yes. Um we've we've entered into limerence. Yeah. We've sorted out our bedroom. We've released all objections to our own pleasure and we've done some remedial mastery of our body parts so we can tell our partner exactly where we'd like to be touched. If you please, sir or (laughs) madam. And, and, and now, um, and, and this is all peachy keen, everything's going great. And then we've done some things to, you know, bring the, bring the juice back if it happens to fade over time. And now say we've hit, Biological, you know, men, for example, yes. men hit this thing after 30 where their testosterone starts declining. Yes. And the desire, the chemical desire may not be there anymore. Would uh, you people present to you with that question of like, what, he doesn't desire me anymore or I don't feel beautiful or I don't desire him anymore or he's not, he's not the, what happens then if you get to that sort of biochemical, physical juncture, which might be associated with aging, even if my
1: mind is still 18? <laughs> <laughs> That's I totally understand that. I For men, it's erectile dysfunction and the fact that they can no longer please their partner, and so they stop having sex with them because they can no longer get an erection. And so automatically their partner feels like they're doing something wrong or they're not sexy. And then when they do try to have sex and it's semi-successful, even if it is successful, it hurts or it's uncomfortable or it's awkward. And this is where you need to just step back. And really this is all about communication at this point. It's working as partners together. So you're dealing with erectile dysfunction. There are erection rings, there are pumps, there are sleeves that can be worn there's things that can help that and that together you know it's not something to be embarrassed about it's perfectly natural and normal i mean in i hate i sound like an old person like in the old days right in the olden days people would pass away by 35 i mean we're out we're extending our whole entire range of life by 50 years now so our bodies, of course, are gonna start wearing down here and there, and it is due to age. So it you just have to accept that as a fact and just together work as a team to find fixes for that. And there are always fixes and ways around it. And then for females, it's going to be, you know, the vaginal dryness and the painful sex and everything that all the products that you've created for rosebud woman all go to nourish their body and help them with those type of things.
0: Yes. I think that that's an entire another podcast. We should do a a review of those tools and toys. And, uh, and then I know you have an affiliation with, I think, Pepper, right?
1: They are one of my clients. Um, I have you know, several yeah, tell clients. Me, give us
0: some. Give us some places. Direct us to where, if if people don't want to wait for the next conversation on all of these supports,
1: yes. where they might go to. Okay. Well, for my, I've got two main sites, and one is Coach Sunny Rogers. That'll probably be going to Dr. Sunny Rogers since I finally finished my um, my degree. And there I offer, it's blogs, it's tips, It they can get in contact and ask me questions. I also have a site called Sex Toy Concierge, and that is just free advice on anything having to do with sex toys. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've never purchased one, if you need one that helps you with erectile dysfunction or gaining an orgasm, then I answer questions on that one. And um, really, it's... Sunny at sunnyrogers.com is my email, and I welcome all the questions and connecting with people. I mean, part of my thing is uh, when I had someone finally reach out and say that you helped me get my first orgasm, there was, my heart glowed like it's never glowed before. And that's when I realized that if I can help people be happy, like very intimately happy with themselves and their love lives and their partners, then that is what i'm meant to do and so um, there are some wonderful places yes to get toys there's uh peppertogether.com is the folks over at pepper i help curate toys for them and i've chosen some wonderful ones and but there's quite a few other places out there there's um pinkcherry.com there's babeland.com goodvibrations.com so there's wonderful situations and stores and I love that at this point in the world, people are getting more, I would just say, okay, about playing with pleasure products and playing with toys and being okay to ask questions and not being so fearful or judgmental. And I think that um, it's only gonna get better from here.
0: I think you're a pleasure fairy. I am. the, (laughs) The pleasure fairy godmother, Dr. Sunny Rogers. Very, I well, love it. I have okay. to tell you, I was very grouchy when we started this podcast because no. I've been, I was, I was totally grouchy. I had been driving in the car for days, and you know, we were we're up in the mountains, and it's really beautiful, but I'm physically like burned out from doing a four mile straight uphill climb and. Um, And then I hear your sparkly voice (laughs) and your invitation to go to farmer's markets and to blindfold myself and listen to my partner talk and all of those other things. And you are just such a delight. You really are like an injection of sunshine in the day.
1: Your name suits you so well. Thank you, Christine. I just, I adore you. You know that. So I really appreciate this. And I always love speaking with you. And I love your team. Michelle's amazing. I mean, you just have handpicked some really incredible people.
0: No, Michelle picked us and I'm the lucky one. For anybody who's (laughs) listening who doesn't know my team, I mean, today is a big day for us. We um, we launched this new body oil that's been in the formulation for quite a while, and we had our fifteen thousandth order today. <gasps> Congratulations! And, you know, a lot of things all happened at once, and I was thinking, like two years ago, before we'd even started selling our first product, Michelle called me and she uh, said, "Hey, we met at this TEDx thing, and I run TEDx Women, and in this in San Francisco, and I had this." thing called Women Enough, which is all about body positivity and body messaging. And I think I can help you. And I was like, all right, fine. Come on over. You sound cool. And she has become, she is just the kindest, hardest working. I don't know what we would do without her. I really, I really appreciate her and her course, uh, Women Enough. um, I'm really hoping she will repackage and launch because it goes from soup to nuts on you know, what did you learn about your body? And how can you only keep the good things you learned and unwind the rest so you can be in pure pleasure in it? Uh, So a lot of the things that you're talking about getting in the way of joyful sex life, uh, we also, I think, heard at Ishwish that the number one predictor of woman's sexual satisfaction is how she feels about her own body. So um, Michelle's larger arc vision is so aligned with what we're doing and what you're doing. Michelle Fetch, everyone. Yes.
1: Yay! (laughs) See, I really feel like the universe has brought us all together. It's amazing. It's amazing how there's somebody, there's a bigger design.
0: (laughs) And to anybody who's listening, I will put the things that were mentioned on the Sex Toy Concierge site and some of the brands that were mentioned, Sunny's class our own body love course, which is asking questions around who does your body belong to, what were you taught about pleasure, et cetera, that's for free on our site and other resources up. So uh, please stay tuned in to what Sunny's up to. You can follow her on Instagram. And I wish everybody out there the most pleasure possible in a human body. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds like a good wrap. Thank you so much for joining me on the Rose Woman Pod. I'm Christine Marie Mason, your host. The pod is brought to you by Rosebud Woman, a company I started in the intimate skincare space. You can find our amazing products at rosewoman.com. Vegan, plant-based, pure, effective, all the good stuff. The guests and I imagine people out there when we do these shows and think, how can we bring one little bit of insight, one little lever to create more spaciousness or happiness out to the world. So if you like the pod, you know what to do. Please share it, rate it, review it, subscribe, all of that stuff so that we can feel your love and support and keep doing it. Have a wonderful day no matter where you're at. May the grace and joy that rests at the center of you be readily apparent.